0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through New Beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good morning, everybody. I am so glad that you're here this weekend. I really, really am because I feel like this message is kind of... uh, the timing I think you're going to find is is very, very pivotal, very um, critical to how you're going to navigate through the rest of the season that we're in, kind of having stepped into a new year. Um, it's 2019. Okay, It seems like we're halfway through the year already. It's only the end of January and so much has gone on. Um, but I, I truly believe with all my heart that 2019 is a year of opportunity like we have not seen before. Um, I believe that for, for this ministry, I believe that from my family, from myself, I believe that for you as individuals, um, this year it's almost like it's almost like if I could just put it in this, if I could just express what I'm sensing on the inside, and it's not like you know Jesus appeared to me this morning and said this word for word, but I'm sensing on the inside this is a year where whatever you, in, in other words, in in accordance with what you invest. Uh, when I say invest, I'm not talking about money necessarily. I'm talking about investing of your soul, investing of, of your energy, of who you are, of your time, that you you and I are the ones that are going to determine what this year is going to be like. It's almost like God's saying, look, it's open before you. For as much as you're willing to press in, as much as you're willing to push on, as much as you're willing to kind of push forward, that's, in other words, it's open for you. And, and, and I say that, and as soon as I started saying that, I remember a service Many years ago, when we were meeting, when the church first started, uh, the first couple of years we were in different schools, and this one particular time we were in the Primary Learning Center, which, for those of you that live here in Brick, you know that's on Chambersbridge Road. It's a school devoted strictly to the younger age group, and it was a wonderful place for us to have the church at that time because the classrooms were like custom made for little kids, and we experienced a lot of growth there. But I remember this one particular Sunday morning, that time we only had one service, okay? It was a breeze a breeze. Okay. Now we do four services on the weekend, you know. It's like, oh, Lord Jesus. But but to get back to that, I remember like it was yesterday standing during worship and this is a habit that I've developed um, as soon as I began to pastor, as soon as we started this church, we begin to see the Holy Spirit move in different ways during the worship time. And it was something that I had never seen before. I was never I had never really been in a church where that was the pattern. Normally, in my history has been, and maybe your history too, if you were going to see the Holy Spirit, and when I say see the Holy Spirit move, you know, if the Holy Spirit was going to heal someone or, or, or speak through someone or, or perform some kind of miracle or even extend comfort, it would usually happen at the end of the service. So this was a new thing to me. I honestly thought we were doing something wrong because we would come together. We'd start worship. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit would speak to me, okay, do this, do that. I want to heal this person. I'm like, this is not supposed to happen now. Need to do later, but nevertheless. So I'm standing during worship and I'm praying, like I always do Father, what do you want to do? Is there something you want to accomplish today? Is there something that you want to speak today? Is there something? And I heard this What do you want to do? I was like, Not supposed to ask me. (laughs) And this is what I heard I know I have your heart. So whatever you want to do, I know it was going to be in line with whatever I would want to do. In other words, it was an open flow of relationship. Are you listening to me? I feel like the same thing now. It's almost like the Spirit of God would say to every one of us, what do you want to do this year? Now, mind you, he, he, he comes on our calendar. God's not set to our calendar. But he uses seasons. We know that from the book of Genesis, that God was the one who created seasons, and I don't necessarily think in the original creation when he did that, he was I don't really think that it's talking about seasons of temperature and stuff. Because you remember when God originally created the earth, it was all temperate. It was we didn't have snowstorms. Oh Jesus, take us back there. <laughs> we didn't have six degree weather with wind chill, taking it at twenty degrees below zero. So 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 God couldn't have meant those kind of seasons when he first created the earth and the universe. So I feel like we're in that season of, what do you want to do? How far do you want to go this year? What would you like to accomplish? And I know some of you, because you shared with me, God has like thrown the gauntlet down and said, this is what I'm assigning you this year. What do you want to do? What would you like to accomplish? Where, what would you like to be next year at this time? Because as, as Christians, as children of God, as believers, there should be something on the inside of us that is driving. I shouldn't say driving because the devil drives. God doesn't drive. God draws. But there should be something on the inside that's creating a desire, a craving to be like next year at this time. Personally, I want to be more and more in the image and likeness of Jesus. Amen. You know, we shouldn't be going backwards. We should be going forwards. We shouldn't be stagnant. We should be constantly moving forward. Amen? So, so what I want to talk about today? Message that we started last last night. Don't quit and never give up, because here we are now. Here we are now. This is almost the end of January, right? Today's the 27th, I believe. It's almost the end of January's gone already, and we're in that I call it the danger state. Because what happens now, right around this time, is some of us have already forgotten the promises, the vows, the resolutions that we made. Even though you might have, you know, day before New Year's or something like that, you might have gotten on your knees, oh God, I just want to change. And I just, and you know, if, 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 if you'll do this for me, I'll do that. And you know, we're making all kinds of deals. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, God, I don't want this year to be like last year. And I want this to change, and that to change, everything to change. Like somebody, somebody posted a thing on Facebook that says, Um, um, I'm going to lose weight this year I'm going to go to the gym every day I'm going to stick to it this year Wait, is that cake? (laughs) Come on Another person said my New Year's resolution is to take all the Christmas lights down by Easter (laughs) I know that one Now, now, here's what happens uh, I read what one prominent minister had to say. Since the devil knows he cannot knock you out, he will try to wear you out. And we get worn out. We get, we, we get worn out when we don't continue to renew our minds, when we don't continue to stir ourselves up. I've, I've seen so many, so many, so many throughout this 30 years I guess 34 years now, 35 years, something like this as being a Christian. Um, yeah, 35 years this year. I've seen so many start out like, oh man, That the fire of God, they're so excited for God, they're so excited, they just want everything about God and they're telling everybody, everybody about God and they're you know, halfway through the Bible and three weeks after they're born again and, and just reading and every time you turn around, they're in church, when you, when you stop, they bump into you, it's like one of those things. And then a year later, The fire just sputtered out because distractions, because of weariness, because the enemy is resisting you instead of you resisting the enemy. So, so so, my message this weekend is this, don't give up. Don't quit and never give up. Now, it's easy for us to say that, but there is a whole pattern laid out for us in the word of God of how to help us navigate through this you ready all right so the apostle paul you want to talk about somebody who should have the t-shirt never quit never give up i mean the apostle paul was just relentless relentless and you know biblical historians tell us that he was a little guy and i guess god likes to use little guys um he was a little guy kind of like short of frame and just wasn't like a powerhouse you know wasn't somebody, you know, if you saw him walking down the street, you wouldn't cross the street to go to the other side. He's just like, you know, but he was so powerful on the inside. And here's a man who endured so much resistance in life. I mean, you study his early history. Paul, Saul, was like, he's the hit man for all the religious leaders in, in Jerusalem. He's the head of the SWAT team. He's the, the Navy SEAL Okay, whenever the religious leadership in in Jerusalem, uh, when they started wanting to stamp out these believers in this guy named Jesus, who they claim raised from the dead, they sent Saul. They, Saul was the one that was busting people's doors down. Saul was the one that was arresting people. Uh, Saul was the one that we know was there when Stephen got stoned to death. He tells the story decades later. He said, I was the one that was holding the cloaks of the men that were stoning Stephen. I mean, this guy saw a lot, endured a lot. Now, now, during that time, I want you to catch something here, because if you're not careful, you'll miss this. When Jesus appears to Saul on the road to Damascus, you remember the story? Okay, the bright light shone, he falls on his, uh, 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 on, his, on his back, falls down, and he's blind. But Jesus is speaking to him. He's, he can't see what's going on, but he sees Jesus, and he hears Jesus. And Jesus says, it's been tough kicking against the goads. And if you don't know what that is, if you had an ox back then that you needed to participate and cooperate with you, and it refused to, you would get this long pole with a very sharp point on the end, and you would convince the ox, you know what I'm saying, from behind, convince the, convince the ox, you, you need to move, you need to work, you need to... And so for Jesus to say that to Saul tells us that this is not the first time he's hearing the voice of God. I guarantee you that the Holy Spirit was dealing with Saul for a long time before Jesus showed up on the scene. So now he's fighting and resisting the thoughts inside that he could possibly be wrong, that maybe this Jesus is really the Messiah, maybe they have gotten it all wrong, then he comes on the other side of this. He gets born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. And now he gets resistance from the people that were his supporters. And that's pretty much his life until the time he's beheaded in Rome. Every village he went to, every city he went to, same pattern. He'd get there, he'd go to the synagogue, preach Jesus resurrected as the Messiah. At that first day, everybody loved him. Come back the next Saturday, he's got a mob on his hands. Riots break out. He's stoned to death, thrown outside of one city. The disciples come around him, pray. He raises up, goes right back into the same city again. This, is, this guy didn't know what the word quit meant. But this is what he wrote. And it's been preserved for us down to this day. We call it the letter to the Philippians, chapter 3. I want to know Christ, starting in verse 10. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now look at verse 12. Not that I I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, the last service, I never got past this portion of Scripture. There is so much truth in here. Now, I don't feel, you know, we're going to stay there, but I want to make an impression on your heart today from the principles in this Scripture. Watch this now. I want to read it again. I want you to pay very close attention to me. But I press on to take hold. Now, see yourself just going like this. See yourself taking hold of. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. There is a reason that you are sitting here today. There is a reason that you are a Christian. There is a reason that Jesus has made himself very alive unto you. Now, you don't know that purpose and you don't know the reason the very first day that you said, Jesus, I believe in you, come into my heart. But let me just ask you this question. Are you, don't raise your hands, don't grunt, don't say anything, don't say amen. Are you experiencing dissatisfaction in your life right now? If you are, it is tied to the truth in the scripture. You have obviously not yet taken hold of the very reason that Christ has taken hold of you to accomplish. I know that feeling. I know that feeling. I was born again, April the 25th, 1984, Wednesday night, about 9.30. Wonderful experience. Cried for the next six months. Every time I'd be in service, people would laugh. they go, there you go, Joe's going into the rinse cycle again. <laughs> just cried. Just cried just through worship. Cried through the whole service. Just every, time there was, every time there was an invitation for people come to prayer, I'd be up there getting prayed for. know If you ask me, what do you pray for? I don't know. Just pray for me. I don't know. Just, just a wonderful experience, and that, that lasted and, and began to increase, and I began to experience things with God that I had never experienced before in my life and supernatural stuff and just, just, having, just, the, the, just having the Holy Spirit be real in your life and miraculous stuff happening at home, miraculous stuff happening on my job and my workplace. And then about 10 years later, got to the place where it's like, ah, like, nothing contented me, nothing. Didn't care what we had, what we accomplished, what we were doing, how great things were. And on the outside, it looked like everything was wonderful, owned homes and, and, and multiple houses and all kinds of stuff and had nice cars and all this kind of stuff. Now, I'm Christian, but there's just, ugh. I realized years later that that experience I had, which, by the way, now that takes us to 1994, in 1994, was the critical, pivotal turn in our lives. Because out of that season of dissatisfaction, the Spirit of God spoke to me. It's time to go to Bible school now. It's time to get into ministry now. It's time. But what happened? Those years of dissatisfaction. I literally, literally, this fall of 1993, it was around November, it, I was so desperate on the inside I made an appointment to sit down with someone who was very prominent in the church I was in at that time who was like a spiritual mother to me. And I went and sat with this person and I said, look, I I don't know how else to explain what I'm feeling right now. But I said, in the next six months, one of three things are going to happen. I'm either going to backslide and just turn away from God altogether and go right back into my old lifestyle, or I'm going to commit suicide, or I'm going to go to Bible school. You say to yourself, well, how the heck did you get from one... One extreme of the spectrum all the way to the other. Thank God it was number three. But I know what Paul was saying here. And I'm telling you this today. If you are experiencing that, ah, like annoying away at your soul, like nothing makes you happy, nothing gets you excited, uh, nothing just, it's just, it doesn't matter anymore. It's like, yeah, life is, it's okay, it's all right, it doesn't, I really don't care but it's just something's not settled. Something's not, it's because you have not yet pressed on to take hold of that which Christ has taken hold of you. Are you listening to me? I don't know, maybe, um, maybe, I need to, maybe I need to, Micah, Micah, can you just come up here real quick? Just come up here real fast. I just want to use it as an illustration. Come here. Isn't he handsome? And My family makes some awesome kids. Yes. Right? So it's like, I'm not going to embarrass you, I'll put you there, okay? We're okay, we're good. It's like you get born again, and then then all of a sudden, here, turn this way, turn this way. All of a sudden, it's like the Holy Spirit goes like this and takes a hold of you. Now, he'll navigate you through some tough times. He'll bring you through some times where you're experiencing some emotions. He'll help you to separate from your old life and, and separate yourself unto the new life. But there is something in the Spirit that gets a hold of you and, the, and the, the longer you go in the things of God, the more dissatisfied until you realize, oh, there's a reason why he's got his hand on me. There's a reason why he has taken hold of me. Thank you, buddy. Give me a hand. Paul saying, I'm pressing on. He, when, when he' made the dis, watch this now, please, when he made the decision to press on, he, I believe, with all my heart, did not have any clue of what God was really going to do in his life. And some of us sit here and go, "Well, if God would just show me, no, he's not going to show you until you make the decision to press on. He's not going to show you until you make the determination in your heart, I'm not going to quit, I'm not going to give up. He's not. There's no reason for him to show you unless you start moving in that direction, until you start taking one step in front of the other, until you start realizing, no, you know what? I may have failed here. This didn't work out the way I thought it was going, but you know what? I'm not quitting, and I'm not giving up. Okay? Listen, I had opportunities to make millions in the past. My wife and I, when we were in business handled millions of dollars, millions, over the time period they were in business. Okay. But none of it meant anything. But I was still miserable. 27 years old, a couple of new cars, brand new house back here in this neighborhood, another two-family house on the other side of town, rented, paid for itself, made money, had a business that was making money, crazy money. Okay? It didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything. I was miserable. Not not worse than miserable. Miserable would have been an improvement. Would you agree? Miserable would have been an improvement. And I've said this in the past and said it again, if, if she had killed me back then, anybody in their right mind would have went, give her a medal and give her a pension for life. She did the world a favor. Okay? Miserable. Just miserable. Just always discontent. Always restless. Always dissatisfied. Always. I get born again. And that settled for a little bit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You settle for a little bit. And now you start learning how to navigate through this life. You start hearing God. You start learning how to hear his voice. You start learning how to participate with him. So you're experiencing some good things. But then there comes a divine, say this with me, divine dissatisfaction. And that's what the enemy is looking to exploit. Because if you don't make a decision that, come what may, You're going to press on. You're going to find out what this plan is for your life until you you make a decision that you're not going to be satisfied until you step into what God has for you. And it doesn't have to just be ministry because we're ministers no matter where we go. Listen, I I made so much impact on people's lives when I was in the business world. It was one-on-one. Now I get to stand here and and teach. But, But before in business... There wasn't a week that went by that I didn't get somebody born again, somebody healed, somebody just delivered from something, okay? But now here's what I want want to show you to help, okay, to help you. When a difficulty comes, when an adversity arises, when a challenge shows up in your life, make the decision that you're going to go through it because you're, you're going to get some gold out of it. In other words, in my case, it was in business. Okay? I had a goal that I was going to be retired by the age of 30. And it partially came to pass because by the age of 30, we were in bankruptcy. I had no job, so I was retired. (laughs) They say, well, it didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to. No, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. However... Did I make the million bucks I wanted to make by the age of 30? No. But watch this. But I got a million-dollar education. Now, if you you will go through life saying, I'm either going to get the thing or I'm going to get the education, then no matter what battle you go through, no matter what adversity you face, it's not a matter of success anymore because you're succeeding one way or the other. You're either getting and accomplishing what you wanted to or you're getting the education of what not to do the next time. Now, let me tell you something. I, without a doubt, am completely convinced that had my wife and I and our family had not gone through the hardships we went through, this ministry would be nowhere near as successful as it is. Because there have been challenges through the years. There have been hardships. But now, we laugh at stuff that used to make us collapse decades ago. You know, that'll happen if you go through. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? When you go through stuff, you pick up, now watch this now, now as a Christian, it's a double bonus. Because not only do you pick up the education to learn better for the next time, but according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, you pick up the anointing to deal with it in somebody else's life. You see what I'm saying? You go through trial, you go through tribulation, you come through on the other side, and all of a sudden now, now, God begins to bring people in your life that are going in the same direction you were, and you can go, listen, let's sit down. I've been there. I've been, I've been through this stuff. I can't tell you the amount of people throughout the years. Pastor, can I talk to you? I'm going through some financial difficulty, and I know you've been there, and we've been able to sit down, take the fear out of the way. Look, it's not the end of the world. You know, well, we're losing our house, a house is just a bunch of two-by-fours they put together in a certain order. They make them every day. Don't get married to something, Okay. All right, So, and we've been able, why? We've picked up the anointing. We've picked up the ability from God to be able to bring comfort into other people's lives. And that scripture says, with the comfort that you received, comfort one another. So, so please do not be resistant to um, challenges, to adversity, especially this time of the year, because let's face it, you stood up and you made, I'm gonna consecrate my life to God. Do you think the devil went, oh, let's leave him alone because he's gonna consecrate his life to God? We better go find somebody else. No, no. Do you think because you've decided you were going to change something very drastic in your life that might have been bringing destruction to people around you, that you think the devil's going to go? Oh, well, let's leave him. Let's let's give him a break this year. No, 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 no. He'll come after you even more because he doesn't want you to reach and take hold of that which Christ has taken hold of you for. The Apostle Paul had a goal but he was convinced, I'm not going to quit, I'm not going to give up, and you'll never fulfill. Now watch this now, let's go back to that scripture again. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold, but one thing I do, watch this now, forgetting what is behind, and look at this, you know, I've read the scripture, I can't tell you how many hundreds of times, but this word has never jumped out as it did this time. Watch this now, watch this now. But one thing I do, forgetting is what behind and what, straining, straining. Straining. When when I read that, when I read that the other day, when I was going over these notes again, I read that went straining, straining, and I pictured this, just pushing against something. Just and the word here, straining, doesn't mean like a filter. It's talking about pressure. It's talking about exerting force against something, you have to strain against something like, and these, the, the illustration I used last night was like last Monday, six degrees, okay, six degrees, that, that, that walk from my garage to the garbage can with that wind blowing and just to take out this little bag of garbage just straining, straining to get to the garbage can because you would, that straining, that little bit of thing, just, just pressing, moving forward to try to get through that cold for that 15 seconds. straining. He says, I'm straining toward what is what? Ahead. Next verse. Look at this. I press on toward the goal, a goal. I press on toward the goal. This is Paul. This is Saul. This is the one who has had adversity after adversity after adversity after adversity. I want to learn from somebody like him. I don't want to learn from somebody who's never been through anything, who's, who's, who's run in the opposite direction every time there's an adversity, who runs to everybody else, come and help me, come and save me, come and pray for me, come. No, 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 come on, you're not going to learn anything if you don't do it yourself. Get out there, trust God. Get the force from him, get the ability from him, get the energy from him, get the, the empowerment from him. He said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. But I want to just leave this up here, please. I ask you this question, please. Do you have a goal? Just think about it, just think about it. Don't, don't answer, don't answer, because what you think you're answering about might not be the real goal. Do you have a goal? Do you have a picture? Do you have an image on the inside of what you want to be in the future? Carol Domus, you don't know how you blessed me just a week before Christmas. I've told the story to countless number of people. We bumped into each other in the supermarket. Okay, and I hope, I don't, I hope I'm not embarrassing you, but this story bears witness, okay? And you stood there, and I looked at your cart, and you probably thought, what's he looking at? And I saw a full cart of food, and I'm thinking, this woman, I'll oh, by herself, I know, you know. Uh, you told me yourself that you're 82 years old. Am I right? Okay. And you said something to me that which shot through my heart. You said this. This morning, I asked the Lord, what is my purpose today? What do you want me to do? And I went, dear God Almighty, 82 years old, she still has a goal to accomplish, she still has a purpose that she's, she's pressing toward. She still has an expectation that God's going to use her. Ma'am, I congratulate you. I admire you. We thank God for you, and thank you for setting that example for the rest of us. Because most people, now I know nobody in here, but most people by, by that age, 20 years ago, stopped dreaming, stop having expectations. Started just thinking about just sitting around, maybe jump on the bus to Atlantic City once a week. You know, if they give you the roll of quarters. Um, (laughs) Most people have checked out already. But you see, that's the spirit of the Apostle Paul. What's your goal? What's your goal? Are you very happy and content and just tolerant of the way things are in your life right now? I mean, I'm satisfied, but I'm not content. I'm extremely satisfied, Paul lived his life that way. Satisfied, but not content. Okay, listen to me, I want to do more. I want to accomplish more. Amen. I want to, and listen, in the scope of things, like I know if I was to be around a bunch of ministers, they would say, man, you got an awesome ministry there. You, you, you got like five services a week, Well, seven services a week if you include the Bayville campus. You have all kinds of, never lack for a crowd. All this other stuff. They say, "Yeah, I, yeah, it's great. You know, it's wonderful, awesome." But we're not done. In fact, we're just getting started. You yeah, gotta realize it took twenty years to get to the place where we knew, okay, now we've got the plan of how God wants us to to affect all of New Jersey for Jesus. Not satisfied. I mean, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm not, I'm not complaining. But there's more. There's more. And, and it's not like. It's, to be truth with you, I would love to be able to kick back a little bit. I would love to be like in one of those churches where, you know, nobody's there all week long. You just show up on Sunday. The guy's playing golf all week. You know, I would love. But truth it would probably last about three or four days, and that would be it. But you know what I'm saying? There's a goal that causes me to keep pressing on, that causes me to keep resisting. All all the, the doubt and resisting, you can't, nobody's done this before. Yeah, just because nobody's done this before doesn't mean somebody isn't going to show up and do it. What is pushing you? And if you can't answer anything, you are in a dangerous position. Because we know God doesn't stop speaking to us. Maybe you stopped listening. Or maybe you stopped asking. Or maybe you've gotten so disappointed and so discouraged over failures from the past that you're afraid to even dream again. You're afraid to have a goal. You're afraid of what it's going to take because it took so much out of you the last time and the time before that and the time before that and the time before that. Don't give up. Don't quit. I'm not just saying this, and I know this sounds very cliche-ish, but if you'll adjust your attitude, your best days are just ahead of you. Amen. If you will learn from the mistakes and the failures that, you, that, that, that happened to you in the past. And you know, failures can come from, from because we're put in a position by somebody we had no control over, but failures can also come because we just either didn't have the knowledge or the education or the wisdom or just the, just the practical experience. And you, and you launched out to try to do something for the first time in your life and it didn't work. But guess What? You launched out. You tried it. You know, we talk about, people talk about Peter, you know, Peter, if he would just had faith, he would have continued to walk on the water. At least he got out of the boat. The other guys are sitting in the back of the boat going, there's no way I'm walking out there. At least he got out. At least he tried. He put himself in a position where he had to depend on Jesus. The other ones are in the boat going, nah, I'm good. Don't get discouraged. Don't forget the desires you just had three weeks ago. Don't get distracted. Don't get weary. Don't let life wear you down. Wow, this is different today. This is one of those weekends where every single service is different. I want to end with one principle 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The same apostle Paul. Every city he went to. Every village he went to. The same thing happened. Like I said to you previously. He would go to a city. They would accept him. Crowds would come out. And then in a week or two, those same crowds would turn against him, persecute him, throw him out of the city. Over and how would, you like to, how would you like that to happen? Over and over and over, in the same pattern, same pattern, same pattern. You think it would wear you down? Yeah. Yeah, you'd, you'd go like, what do I need this aggravation for? But Jesus spoke to him. And I believe Jesus is, is speaking to some of us right now. And a time... When Paul has just rehearsed all of his tragedies, all of his persecution, all of the adversity, every attack of the enemy came against him. He says, I begged the Lord to take this away. But Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. What is grace? We hear a lot about this term today. We hear a lot of it being broadcast on TV books being sold, but true biblical grace is an empowerment that comes from God to be able to resist and to be able to keep pressing on, to be able to never quit, to be able to never give up, that is a supernatural power that comes from the Holy Spirit that's within you. And so when, when Paul went to Jesus in prayer and said, look, every place I go, this is what's happening. Jesus said to him, my great, you keep doing what you're doing. My great, you can read it yourself, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Yep. You keep doing what you're doing. Now, some of you are sitting there because you may have been taught something completely different about this scripture. You may have been taught that this thorn in the flesh that Paul talks about was a sickness, was a disease, was something else. Some people have gone on to say, yeah, he had some kind of disease in his eyes where he would just stand up there and preach and pus would just roll out. That'll bring a crowd into your church. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is, you see, the Bible always interprets itself. And the term thorn in the flesh is used in the Old Testament always referring to the enemies of Israel. God said, if you do not eliminate them, they will be thorns in your flesh And thorns in your eyes. In other words, they will always harass you. What was the enemy of God doing to Saul? To Paul? Constant harassment. Constant persecution. Constant stress. Paul prayed. Take this from me. Jesus said, you keep preaching. You keep going. I'm with you. My grace is sufficient for you. You may have a goal. I hope you do. If you don't, I pray in the name of Jesus that, the, that you will start pressing in, that you will start taking hold, that you will put a demand. Put a demand on the Holy Spirit. When I say put a demand, I don't mean just stamp your feet. I'm saying, press in and say, Holy Spirit, I need to know what my part in this whole thing called Christianity is. I need to know what part to my, am I to play in this life on the earth. What's the assignment that you place on my life? Is it, is it a business? Is it a career? Is it, is it, is it being a good husband, a good m- a wife, a great father, a great mother? What is it? Is it ministry? What is it? Is it, is it, is it are you to pursue a, a business and some kind of idea and invention that is going to give you, that's going to bring you great wealth so that the gospel can be supported? So you can support missionaries overseas and raise up Bible schools and churches and things. You don't know what God has ahead for you, but if you never develop a hunger, if you're going to quit easy, if you're going to give up easy, you're never going to get to that place of contentment like Paul to take hold of that which Christ has taken hold of us. I pray that your pursuit will start today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.